We're so glad you could join us. I'm Lauren. I'm Katie. We're your hosts. This podcast is nothing more than a friendly conversation, sharing life stories and trying to make sense of growth, healing and the journey home. Maybe you'll relate to some of the things we discuss or perhaps you'll pick something up from what we've learned along the way. We hope you feel part of the conversation and inspired to reflect on your own journey too. This is your invitation to connect with us. Welcome to Chrysalis Connection. In today's episode, episode four of season one, we are delving into the topic of recovery and sobriety as we talk to Lauren about her experience and perhaps reflect on our own experiences and our own relationship with alcohol. And I know that since meeting Lauren, it's something that's that's really made me think too. So just a heads up that as expected, we will be talking about drinking, recovery and sobriety If this might be a difficult episode for you to listen to, then please feel free to pause and maybe listen at a later time or with somebody you trust and know that we'll be here if you do decide to listen later. So I think, Lauren, that thinking back to to the road trip we mentioned in episode three, actually, um, that, you know, one of our really important bonding moments was on this road trip, at sunset on a hilltop overlooking a vineyard just outside Verona. Um, <laughs> so romantic. And we had such a heart to heart. And yeah. I know that when you shared parts of your recovery story with me, I felt truly honoured that you chose to share it with me. I think it was another monument. We were having a sunset picnic on a weekend road trip and we both ended up crying and hugging after bearing some of the darkest parts of our souls. Mm. And I'm really grateful for that. And me I'm too. really grateful for the fact that we're we're coming and having this discussion today Mm. so I recognize it's not an easy topic to get into which is why we've waited till episode four um yeah I also know that it's something that you want to be more open about and so I just wanted to say that before you share your story I'm so proud of you for simply just being you and I'm honored to know a person (laughs) like you person who is so up to the lessons in life and difficulty that comes with it but would absolutely not choose life any other way it's one of the things I admire most about you and I just want to thank you for shining your light as you always do thank you very much <laughs> and thank you for being being someone who I can share my story with you know like knowing you has helped me to to be more open about it and to yeah to to share it really and, and speak up about it so yeah thank you I'm quite excited to uh, to talk about it as well because it is it is something that I'm quite passionate about, but kind of passionate about in secret because um, I think there is that fear around you know like being a bit different and not being um, it's like mainstream maybe because it's it's kind of normalised to drink whereas it's it's kind of a bit strange a bit you know a bit awkward to not not drink so um, yeah I'm excited to to have the conversation about it. Mm, I can really hear that in your voice as well. So let's get right in. Um, so Lauren, in your own words, what did your relationship with alcohol used to be like? Ooh, um, yeah, I, I used it to to kind of shut the world out, I suppose. I didn't really ever feel comfortable in my own skin, but I didn't really know at the time there was always this kind of yeah discomfort and, and disease with being me I didn't really feel like I fit in 
and you know drink enabled me to kind of fit in and maybe not even fit in but you know I, I used to drink when I used to drink I I did used to get blackout drunk um so it's kind of like hitting that button where you could kind of check out so you didn't have to go through those awkward feelings um yeah kind of uh, it was I don't want to go too far ahead but that first drink kind of gave me a liquid confidence you know I felt like I could be anyone when I had that first drink um it's kind of like my alter ego came out to play feeling of being invincible yeah yeah and it it was obviously a fake fake confidence because I I was never like that when I was sober um so yeah it was just using it as a as a social and emotional crutch really probably the best way I can describe it and so I know that it's something I I waited a while to ask you this question. I know that we've talked about it and it's okay to ask you today, but did you have a a sort of awakening moment of realisation towards your relationship with alcohol? Um, I don't believe it was like one single moment. I think I was aware of an issue around my use of alcohol. Um, And I did have various friends kind of make comments or you know try and talk to me about things um but I think like you have to reach a point where you're kind of questioning it yourself because the more other people talk about it around you the more you kind of fight against that idea and want to kind of prove them wrong probably went about that in the wrong kind of way um I was really lucky I did have a lot of people around me that that cared about me I still do now but you know, they, they did try and help. I think there was there was a moment, a really poignant moment, where I feel like I did I did want to stop. I wanted to cut down. I wanted to quit. I didn't, but I didn't really know how to go about it. And you know, I did realise I was kind of bored of doing the same thing. You know, you kind of go to work during the week and you're living for the weekend, and it was kind of this moment of what am I doing? So I suppose that, that was an awakening moment. Um, but then what did you do when you socialise, especially in the UK? You know, we have such a a massive drinking culture. It's, as I say, it's normalised to to get through. You know, there's so many memes going around about, you know, just work Monday to Friday and then Friday you're kind of released from work and you can get down and have a few drinks with your mates and, you know, it, yeah, it's, it's such a kind of normal, accepted thing. Um, and I think more than just being normal and accepted, it, it is encouraged and more so it is yeah. pushed. There is so much pressure around it. And not just yeah. in in sort of the way we would expect it, like sort of, you know, a teenage sort of 18-year-old or university cultures, but also like the sort of mummy drinking tribe and things like that in in spheres where we wouldn't necessarily accept it also at work dues at work events yeah yeah definitely um but yeah I I think I realized my frustration at not being able to socialize with my friends unless you go out for dinner go drinking or go to the cinema you know that's that's kind of what you did um so yeah just just going through the motions really carried on doing it and I think it's really important when you 
kind of go against the grain to have a kind of support kind of network around you like not necessarily just to have like someone else kind of doing it because it's really difficult to to kind of to be the only one to step out to be yeah in a way you become the scapegoat in a group of friends they see you as different and kind of demonize you for that perhaps Mm. because you're holding up your changed behavior is holding up a mirror to theirs um yeah I have noticed obviously that's a that's a big thing about if we touch on it a bit later but having being aware it's not just you know it's not just stopping drinking there's so many other things that kind of go with that and you know there are benefits and there can be some negatives as well but it's kind of weighing up what you want at the end of the day um I think the biggest thing for me and I was lucky to to know a couple of people that you know had um because well, I, I, I did go into recovery there was a couple of people that I was lucky enough to know that had gone through the journey or were going through the journey but they were just further along the line than I was and I remember clear as day one of the guys saying to me you know like you have to be prepared because your relationships are going to change you know and that was terrifying for me because you know having the friends I had at the time I you know there was a lot of socializing going on it was it's kind of like, you know, am I going to have to, you know, how much of my life is going to change from this? It's, it's not just not drinking anymore. Mm. It's a whole kind of unlearning, relearning, reinventing, redesigning your life, but from, yeah. you know, from the inside out. Mm, totally. So you just mentioned that you went into recovery and I know that for you being part of AA and following the steps was one of the catalysts on your sobriety journey. So I just wanted to ask you that, in hindsight, what would you say are some of the positive takeaways from AA that are now part of your everyday? Um, well, my experience, um, from my experience of, of being a part of AA, um, definitely, like, working through the steps was really positive, you know, being able to look at my behaviour. Um, they did have the saying, like... Uh, when you, I'm sure it's it's not exclusive to AA, but when you point one finger out, you have three pointing back in your oh. hand, which is a big, yeah, a big one. Um, I know for me, yeah, writing down kind of life events that I was holding onto and, and kind of resented as well. And then looking at my part in it, you know, having a different perspective on it too. Um, being able to share things as well with someone, you know, being able to trust somebody enough. Um, uh, because yeah, I was lucky enough to to have an experienced sponsor. And, you know, I knew that I could trust her and open up to her. And, you know, she gave me permission to, to express myself and, and to speak honestly about how I was, you know, how I was feeling. Um, <laughs> I used to, because I find it, previously said I find it quite difficult sometimes to express myself and I remember calling her and she kind of could tell when I needed to cry and like release things um and I know I definitely get a physical manifestation of emotion I'll get like a lump in my throat or just just feel an emotion somewhere and she would give me permission to cry and it you know it was it was really pivotal to kind of have that have that level of trust with somebody 
um, to know that there was no there was no judgment either. That was um, a really really positive thing because I think you know we we face judgment every day. We take on judgments from other people. Um, you know, it's, it's just human beings. Um, mm. So kind of having having again that that safe space mm. to to express and to kind of learn how to be me as well. Um, mm. You know, I, I did start drinking at. I started drinking properly at 14, really, where I kind of noticed the, I'll say the positives in inverted commas, you know, giving me that liquid confidence, um, where I kind of started to you know, feel a bit more comfortable in myself from drinking. Um, so, yeah, I kind of numbed myself from that age. So it's kind of going back and, yeah, learning how to be me, like what I liked, what I didn't like, how to kind of speak up for myself as well because um, I can have people-pleasing tendencies. <laughs> and in a way, going through that later in life causes you to relive the years that perhaps you, you didn't live fully yes. because you were numbing. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, yeah, I think another positive uh, is meditation. I can That can fall out of my practice sometimes, but just being able to sit as well because... Again, because I felt so uncomfortable and awkward, I was so busy all the time. Like I, I look back now on my life then and just think, how, how did I do all of that? You know, I'd have multiple jobs, I'd have a social life. Um, it was, it was constantly go, go, go. I couldn't sit still with my thoughts. Um, and then you know, having having all of this free time, and then having this this kind of noise I suppose it's like mental chatter mm. not to sound like a crazy person um <laughs> but yeah just like unresolved stuff yeah. just being able to sit with that and being introduced to different ways of thinking as well mm. I think what I'm really getting from from listening to you express yourself this way is is that it's such a process of uh, you know I've said it before so again unlearning and relearning is this you know and it it reminds me of um of a wonderful quote from glennon doyle's most recent memoir untamed um i totally devoured the audiobook during lockdown and it's just there's a quote that comes to mind so i just like to share it so she writes sobriety was my painstaking resurrection it was my return to wild it was one long remembering it was realizing that the hot electric thunder i felt buzzing and rolling inside was me trying to get my attention, begging me to remember, insisting I'm still in here. So I finally unlocked and unleashed her. I set free my beautiful, rowdy, true, wild self. I was right about her power. It was too big for the life I was living. So I systematically dismantled every piece of it. Then I built a life of my own. I have goosebumps. She's an incredible speaker, writer, being woman um Mm. I really look up to her and and the way she writes and I just really loved that and it it came to mind as you were speaking that's really powerful um Mm, I really like that but I guess you know so much about the human experience and that's what this podcast kind of hopes to to explore really is is the transformative process that it means to to have a human experience to to be here to, to have come to earth, to, 
to be alive is mm-hmm. is this you know life is this chrysalis this cocoon that we find ourselves in and and it's a constant work in progress until we one day emerge as sort of a a crafted version of ourselves mm. but do we ever emerge as a crafted version is a constant process i think we have to have the goal that we do and then we find out later on but <laughs> guess that there is um oh, sorry i guess that's just my my sort of romanticized idealized take on it <laughs> there is um yeah there's a quote i really love uh, we're spiritual beings having a human experience yeah i really enjoy that i know that's something you and i really connected on yeah. yeah definitely and so I'm I'm mindful of the language that you use when talking about your experiences with alcohol and so what are some of the terms that you favor when it comes to drinking recovery and sobriety Ooh. terms like al- alcoholic for example how do you feel about using that kind of language okay um well anyone who knows me or sees me I have a tattoo on my left arm. Um, it's part of the teetotal movement, um, which was started by Holly Whitaker and Laura McCowan. Um, they they were hosts on the Home podcast, which uh, was a really um, really huge part of my recovery. Um, I discovered them. I can't even remember when, but um, when I was living in the chrysalis. And, um, yeah, I just, I really liked their message that they were sending out. They were trying to, um, reduce the stigma around, um, you know, having issues with alcohol and, you know, the label alcoholic as well, because I think that's, it's such a, people kind of recoil when they hear that word. And I think once you're, once you're labelled as that, it's really hard to to kind of shake it off. And I, I have always had an issue with the word because I kind of think, well, you know, for me, alcohol wasn't the problem. It was it was the medication that I used because you know, it's and it's so somebody a, a dear friend who was in the fellowship once said to me. Um, of all addictions, because, you know, obviously there's NA, you've got um, OA, Overeaters Anonymous. Um, NA, narcotics. Love, love addictions. NA, yeah, narcotics. I mean, there's so many different kind of substances you can turn to. And he was like, you know, having having an addiction is kind of like having a, a seat on the Titanic. <laughs> you know, regardless of where you're sitting, you're all going down kind of thing. Mm. Um, I really like that because it, it was kind of like, yeah, it's, it's not like an us and them thing. We're we're all, we're all in the same beautiful point. metaphor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> learn from the best. <laughs> just mm. But um, yeah, it's just the label alcoholic. Like it just when you say that, you know, for me definitely, and I've known for people that I've had conversations with, they sort of think of you know that the tramp on the street, the homeless guy. Mm. Um, drinking a bottle from a brown paper bag you know you don't think of the functioning kind who you know can hold down a nine-to-five job you know have a family and a partner you know all of these kinds of Mm. things so there's a massive um, negative label around it 
So I always had an issue with the word because I was kind of like, well, you know, for, for me, my substance at the moment is alcohol, but, you know, I, I can turn to food sometimes, I can turn to the gym sometimes, mm. you know, when I'm, when I'm trying to deal with things. So We all have crutches, um, don't we, that we lean on. Definitely. Um, we all, yeah, definitely. It's kind of being, yeah. We all have things that we seek in order to make ourselves feel better or to numb or to postpone mm. feelings and... Yeah. Yeah. Okay, it comes back to having that awareness of mm. it. You know, when you when you realise what you're doing, it's kind of allowing your space, allowing yourself to have a space between that that um, reaction time um, or response time. Mm. Sorry, but yes, yeah, so I have a TT on my arm, mm. and it stands for teetotal. So yes, it's this movement that um, was created to to reduce the stigma around alcohol addiction and recovery mm. so I'm, I'm really proud to be a part of that um that's a beautiful stamp you have on your forearm as well it's <laughs> been stamped <laughs> and I think you know linguistically what I really like about that is it's focusing on what you are rather than what you are not so rather than focusing on the problem on the alcohol making that the center because for a lot of people you know it, as you said it was the medication it was the symptom but it wasn't the problem yeah. is rather than focusing on that it's total you know you are total you are whole it's it's focusing on that and I think the language we use to talk about things is so powerful and I think especially when it comes to things like sobriety Mm, definitely I like as well like having it on display kind of encourages me to talk about it as well because I didn't talk about it for such a long time because there was you know I did have shame around it um because it I was, I don't know, I just, yeah, there was just shame around it. It was just kind of being different. Even though I had a kind of community that I could tend to and talk to about things, I still didn't really fit in with my, you know, my old kind of company, mm. my old friends. So, yeah, it was difficult for me to talk about it. And it does change how people behave around you too. So I kind of... I kind of, I didn't hide it, but I obviously wasn't vocal about it either. Whereas I'm, I am a lot more vocal about it now. Yeah, having that, as I say, encourages me to open up and talk about it, um, you know, without without pushing it as well. Because Do you find that people do ask you about it? And and if in how far do they take that conversation? You know, when people offer you something and you say, you know, no thanks, don't drink. How do you navigate yeah. those situations or... I guess, you know, what are the what are the most common sort of questions or comments you, you get from others when, when those situations come up? Mm, I think <laughs> I think the one that gets me is the absolute disbelief of being a Brit who doesn't drink alcohol, <laughs> um, especially living in a foreign country. Um people just cannot believe it. Um mm. and they're gobsmacked, aren't they? They're just <laughs> completely like what uh and then following on from that have you ever drunk alcohol I think is the next biggest thing Mm. but then again I'm not gonna you know share my life story with people I've only just met so it's it's kind of it depends I think the people that kind of push for answers like I used to be one of those people Mm -hmm. I you know if I ever met somebody who didn't drink I was like oh my god you know Mm. um Maybe it was a, a premonition for later on in life. Um, 
but yeah, you know, I just, I didn't understand how people did things without drinking. Mm. Um, not, that's not to say that people who, who ask me have that issue, but yeah, it's kind of like, there's the, the PG kind of, was it 13 term of, oh, well, you know, yeah, I used to, you know, the hangovers got worse as I got older and, you know, it just didn't really, because I'm really into fitness and, you know, eating well and all of that kind of thing. It doesn't really line up with those kind of values for me. Mm. Um, so I can, you know, I kind of, I kind of use that. I think I remember how you, you told me about it pretty early on. I think the first time you said, I don't drink when we had that, that tea, I don't think I said anything else, but mm. I think pretty soon afterwards, a few days, um, I think I just sort of said to you, you know, if you don't mind me asking, like, why don't you drink? And you say, you said, um, oh, I was just, you know, it's just a bit messy, really. Just, you know, family saw me how they shouldn't have done. You know, I don't need that. And and that was it. That was, that was said. And I thought, fair enough. I can definitely relate to that. Um, <laughs> good for you for recognizing that because, and I think it, the way you told me about it, just, it wasn't a big deal. And I, I remember thinking, why does everyone make such a big deal out of it? <laughs> it, it makes me think you know saying i don't drink should be as normal as saying um i don't smoke exactly. or i don't eat meat yeah. you know it's just a choice and okay if you if you want the short version or the long version then let me know but exactly a lot of the time people just say it to make conversation maybe they don't really want to get into that yeah. discussion you didn't make it any bigger of a deal yeah. than it needed to be at the time when you told me and i just really admired you for that Oh, thank you. Uh, then we got on to talking about other things, you know, we had stuff to talk about. So That's the thing. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of putting the feelers out to what you know, if I've had I have had people contact me and, you know, express concern around their own relationship with alcohol because I've been open about it, but you know, without kind of putting the feelers out to begin with and, you know, not being not being necessarily like overly dramatic or you know sharing the warts and all story because I think that's that's a bit too much for for many people but um also for you yeah you know (laughs) reliving the whole experience (laughs) don't need to go there you know exactly it's in the past it's kind of you can't change it but um you lived it that was enough exactly Um, yeah but yeah it's, it's people have contacted me you know like over the the past like four and a half years and you know, it's opened up conversations with people I wouldn't necessarily have expected to to kind of express concern. Um, so it's been, it's it's made me feel really good to kind of be able to be open and honest to a point about it because you know they then come to me and I've kind of tried to help them where I can, um, or just yeah, it's just given them the space to kind of express it, acknowledge it, and then help yeah help where I can but kind of leaving it up to them too I think that that's another thing that I really notice about you is that you're not because you you're a big advocate for it and if people express interest in in wanting to examine or change their relationship with alcohol you know you're you're really excited for that and you can't wait to have these conversations but you're not judgmental and I don't feel like you've ever pushed it on me and you know we've been in situations where it was just you and I socializing. I chose to drink. You didn't. And, you know, I, I told you, this is my intention. I, I'm, I'm going to drink. I'm yeah. going to do this. Is that okay with you? And and it just worked out, I think. You know, we just let each other be. And um, 
I think also when I've been in those situations with you, you mean we've gone to raves and you know you've been like you know, obviously sober and designated joy. and you were jumping around <laughs> dancing more than anybody else. Yeah. And I remember being telling people like that's my friend and you know what she's not even drunk. Look at her, isn't she amazing? <laughs> like she's sober, she's better than all of us. <laughs> um, and and they just couldn't believe it. And you would be the one bouncing off the ceiling, just enjoying the experience, natural. You know. Yeah. Just as it was and um, I just remember being in awe of that and, and yeah which is really nice to be around it's encouraged it in me yeah I definitely like that's the thing I think because you feel things that much more like the I don't want to say the positive and like the negative again in better comments but um you know yeah you're you're able to enjoy it sober which is mm. really important like obviously yeah, being in those kind of environments, I pick and choose what I go to. Like, I love drum and bass. It's, you know, it's my soul music. It's my soul jam. So I do, I have been to those and I've had the, I've had a better time than when I've, you know, when I've drunk because I've been able to actually enjoy the music and actually dance rather than, you know, worrying about getting a drink or, or whatever. And, you know, another benefit has been able to drive and, you know, get everyone home safe rather than well, standing on there on a practical the level. Yes, it's brilliant, yeah. you know, get all my mates home safe, get home safe too. It's, it can it's leave like, when you want, you're not dependent on anything. <laughs> yeah, I think Definitely. that's the thing with alcohol is so much of the conversation is focused on what, you're, what you've given up, you yes. know, it's just that word itself, what you've given up, what you're missing, what you don't have, what you lack. And it, it's just focused on this sort of lacking mentality, focusing on the negative. It, it's very rarely focused on everything that you gain. Yeah. And I think that became apparent to me when I read Catherine Gray's book, The Unexpected Joy of Being Sober last year, mm. is, is she just, you know, she went through sort of the messy story and everything too and explained the backstory about why she doesn't drink now. But so much of it was then based on, but look at what I can do. Like now I can do this. Now exactly. I can do that. You know, I, I have all these great weekends because I don't have hangovers. I have so much more time. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and she's, you know, one of the quotes is that, um, you know, sitting on the train home, I realize I don't feel like I need another week's holiday to get over the holiday. Yeah. I feel refreshed and ready to go back to work. Yes. And any of us that have been on these typical drinking holidays never felt that way. <sighs> and what I loved about her book and also about, you know, my friendship with you is it's very much focused on what you've gained mm. from it rather than what you've inverted commas lost. Yeah. I think it comes back to I know we talk about this but having gratitude the another thing mm. I, I learned um in recovery is just I used to write gratitude lists and I know in the beginning I think because I was focused on what I'd lost it was really difficult to to kind of write those I'd have like three maybe four things on there which makes me sound mm. really ungrateful but then like as time went on and you know like yeah like Catherine says like I had all this free time and realised like mm. all of the things that I could do rather than things that I couldn't do, how much that gratitude grew. And yeah, it just, it did completely change my life. What a gift. Mm. <laughs> you know, what a gift to suddenly feel like you've been given so much more to be grateful for. Mm. I think all of that just stems from awareness and perspective. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious, um, in social situations, are there any sort of deal breakers or like any, any bottom lines for you that's like a non-negotiable? Ooh, um, 
I think, as I say, it's, it's picking and choosing what I go to, like, and oh, it comes back to who who to spend your time with, really. Like, if you know that there's going to be people whose primary concern is, you know, going out and getting drunk and you, you're not necessarily going to have quality time with them, um, then, yeah, learning to say no as well, actually, in social situations. <laughs> because I, I would... In my, early, well, in my early, early days of sobriety, I, I didn't go because I just thought I'm, again, it comes back to that concentrating on what I've lost rather than what I gained. And then as I became sort of more confident um, in sobriety, I, I would go to things, but then I soon learned that I wouldn't necessarily enjoy it. And then it came time to, the time came to say goodbye, which is really difficult when you're around people who've been drinking. It takes forever um and then I learned the term the Irish goodbye where you could just kind of wave and leave which was brilliant mm. um and then again, you're the queen of that <laughs> so you, you're just the queen of we've been at dinner parties and things and you've just been like all right everyone thanks good night and that's it and there was no question no sort of you know pussyfussing around the idea of like oh we've got to start the goodbye process mm. you just you, you've already got your bag on you're halfway out the door <laughs> thanking everybody it just takes forever and, yeah, and you just home. get yourself home when you want to exactly. yeah exactly um I felt like I've never been able to do that <laughs> um. um and then yeah just again as I say like picking and choosing what I wanted to go to um mm. a difficult thing for me was uh splitting the checks when going out for dinner with friends Mm. Um, especially if they're drinking wine and alcohol um, in England it, I mean it's it's expensive to drink anyway and to have wine with dinner and it was kind of it was awkward to bring up you know I'm not paying I haven't been drinking because there were times when people would just be like oh should we split the bill and you know they've, they've shared a few bottles of wine or had a few cocktails and I was like hang on a second you know I, I had for instance a pizza and and a, a bottle of water so mm. And how, kind of having that conversation, I was very lucky that I had, I did, uh, I had friends that were like, oh, you know, Lauren wasn't drinking, so she shouldn't have to pay for this, which is great because mm. it kind of saved me from having to do it. But I think it's so important to have allies in sobriety too, yes, whether they're important. in recovery or not, but just respecting your boundaries with that mm. and helping to support them. Um, and you know, if it is something at somebody's house, maybe someone would just you know remind everybody oh like you know let's let's not have this um or just remember just you know gentle reminders just someone that's in your corner yeah you know it's really it was good it was really good to kind of have that support as well it's not so much an issue now but um yeah brave now how have your relationships changed oh yes they changed massively um yeah without without going into too much detail you know a lot of my friendships in my 20s were centered around drinking um yeah, like weekends, during the week, you go down the pub, you know, it was, again, that's part of the British culture to, to spend a lot of time down the pub and having those those kind of outings in the evening. Um, and as I said, I was, I was warned about it in the beginning, but I don't think I realised how much I would change, I think. Yeah, just realising those kind of friendships didn't necessarily nurture the direction that I was going in. Um, and that's mm. not to say, you know, it was not to speak negatively of those friendships at all I think they they served the purpose for that time because they definitely added value in other ways but um I think there is a saying you know sometimes sometimes you need to change your environment and I definitely needed to do that yeah because there's I think we are so much we are products of our environment yes. and we are 
also such a like an amalgamation of the people around us. Well, there's there's the thing is you're someone who you spend the time with, and sometimes it means changing those people, and it's not easy. Mm, especially when you're trying to find yourself as well. When you've been numbing yourself for such a long time, when you kind of outsource your any responsibility or any sense of self to mm. other people, then kind of like taking that back and and kind of rediscovering yourself. You have to kind of test things out and find out what you like and what you don't like and. You can only do that by by changing things up, mixing things up, being brave enough to do it. And how about, you know, resources for for being in recovery and, and working the steps or or perhaps not not being in recovery so much, but for some people listening that maybe they don't have such a problematic relationship with alcohol, they don't think they do, but mm. they just want to reassess or reevaluate their relationship with it. Um and maybe just sort of yeah redesign that in a way what sort of resources and things have really helped you or what practices and, and rituals in your daily life Ooh, that's a really interesting question um so for me as I mentioned earlier the home podcast um with Holly Whitaker and Laura McCowan was uh yeah just a really really important part of my recovery and kind of journey back to myself I'm trying to think of other ones actually because it's so it's becoming more popular oh, I don't really like the term popular but it's becoming more accepted the movement is gathering a lot of momentum at massively. the moment massively and I think a lot of whether it is with initiatives like dry January or you know sober October, October or something mm. or or if it is just people just I don't know doing the work you know reading books like Catherine Gray's and Glennon Doyle's and just just having that that one sort of catalyst that starts sparks this idea in their mind that then sort of turn over yeah or you know meeting people so I know that for me since since meeting you and talking about this it has been something I've been reflecting on quite a lot and a lot of it has come up retrospectively like I never knew at the time that how how much of a crutch I was using it for or how many problems it created for me rather than solving. And it's, it's I think it's a lot of it is in retrospect. So that's, it's not by any means alcohol is not a big part of my life right now. And sometimes I can't remember the last time I did drink because it's just not what I focused on, yeah. but looking back and thinking, wow, at that point of my life, it, it was problematic. I just didn't know it. Mm. I think a lot of it is just a reevaluation and a kind of taking inventory on our lives and things. Definitely. Yeah. Have you read Russell Brand's book. It's on my Kindle, I haven't started yet. What's it called? What's the name of it? He's got one called Recovery, Freedom from Our Addictions. Oh, one, Recovery. And then he's got one on mentors. Um, <laughs> I absolutely love him. I, I actually, this, this year in January, you know, inspired by you, he did a, um, a free online recovery course that following the 12 steps. And, mm. and it was called Recovery, Freedom from Our Addictions, but not limited to, you know, drugs and alcohol, but also more widely to things like spending and um you know phone use and, and sex yeah. and pornography and things and I, I love his authenticity I love how he's so ready to just like take the piss out of himself yeah um and we all have addictive behaviors towards certain things in life we all have crutches we lean on and, and perhaps less healthy coping mechanisms and we can all benefit from 
reflecting on those and, and perhaps taking stock and trying to make some positive changes. And I know that was a really awesome like, free resource for that. And I, I got a lot from it. Yeah. And it just it just sparked a lot of reflection, I think. Which is really important when you're looking at making changes and kind of sticking to it. It's being able to reflect on your behaviour and coping mechanisms and then kind of see where you can make those little changes to encourage growth. Um, yeah. But I, I did read his book. That was... It was kind of his take on the 12 steps. It was really interesting. It's for, it's for everyone. It's not, you know, as Katie said. Yeah. Say, sorry. That's, that's what I loved about it, that it, it, we can all take something from it. And I remember in that moment on that, that sunset, um, you know, hilltop picnic is that that evening after you shared that with me, I was thinking about it. And I think I turned and said to you at some point, like, can I do the steps, you know, kind of childlike and sort of curious, but you're like, yeah, of course you can. And I, I just thought, oh, wow. Yeah. It, it can be available to all of us. Mm. You know, I too can look at problematic behaviors I have or things I want to improve and that opportunity or those resources are available to me. And as long as I'm willing to, mm. and also I think I really like the idea of being part of a support group or fellowship or, yeah. or having someone like a sponsor or a mentor, someone that, that helps you along the way because I think we learn so much from each other Um, and without being codependent we we are to some extent dependent on on other people and I think that can be in a healthy way in terms of interdependence and you know I think that's again what we we hope to sort of achieve with this podcast is creating a space for connection a space to be heard and and to support one another whether it's you or I or, or or people who may listen totally yeah so I think maybe just before we finish, there's a Brene Brown quote that I read and I love it. It's beautiful and it makes me think of you. Um, I think I actually put it in one of your birthday cards. So I'd just like to share it with our listeners. So she writes, to the brave and brokenhearted who have taught us how to rise after a fall, your courage is contagious. And I couldn't really put it better myself that your your courage with this and your your ability to, to reflect and to learn and your, your awareness is contagious. And I just think it's a conversation we need to be having more. It's just one of those kind of slow processes. I like, um, there's another saying actually, it's uh, keep it in the day, you know, because it can get overwhelming, especially for anyone kind of thinking of, you know, giving up alcohol forever or anything or giving up anything forever, you know, forever is a mm. long time. I think just by mm. kind of keeping it in the day, you know, just at 24 hours, just concentrate on that. It's um, mm. much more doable. One step at a time. Mm. Definitely. Yeah. Would you have perhaps any tips to anybody who who is reassessing their relationship with alcohol? I would say reach out to somebody. You know, I've I've reached out to people on Instagram about this. I've, I've had friends that have also reach out to other people kind of going through the same journey there are a few accounts there's um sober revolution is one of them austin's a a great advocate for recovery he's been doing it for many many years um he definitely helped me with a few things i was kind of struggling with um yeah just kind of i suppose once you once you speak about it and kind of are aware that you want to change and can connect with another human being about it kind of well it's like that old saying that you know a problem shared is a problem halved. Ah, there we go yes but i think it's just 
the knowledge that we're never truly alone with anything and there is always support as long as we reach out um and I know the other day I, I talked about this with you about the uh, the Dumbledore quote from Harry Potter about you know, happiness can be found in the darkest of times if one only remembers to turn on the light and I think you know you could always change the word happiness there to support or, or help or, or company yeah and it's just a case of knowing you can reach out yeah as I say, yeah, there are support groups. There's there are people on on social media um, that can help. Um, I know for me, like I googled it in the beginning um, and just kind of found a place where I could go. Uh, I was lucky enough to be put in contact with somebody as well. I think I say it all the time, you know, the universe puts people into your path that seem to help you. So yeah. I think I just want to thank you for your courage and your openness and your willingness to talk about this and I'm just really glad that we had this chat and hopefully it's going to reach a few other people and Mm. and maybe have a similar effect on them as it has done on me. Thank you for giving me the Thank you for joining us this far in the podcast. We love that you're here. Please rate, share and subscribe to see this podcast grow. If you feel like leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, we would really appreciate it. It helps get episodes like these out there to more ears. A massive thank you to David Greenwood for creating our original music and to Adam Lawrence for editing.